This is Mikey V from Trains Over Razors, and you're listening to Brutally Delicious Podcast. Hey, Mikey, there's my partner, Chris. Thanks for joining up, us. Chris? Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was seriously just blasting the narc in my headphones and fucking I, I was like, oh, shit, I got to join the meeting. But I didn't want it to stop, so I, I kept myself on mute. <laughs> I was just apologizing because we're late because we've been having a day of fantastic conversations. Oh, my God. Yeah. Cool. Sometimes they, so, they don't go as well as others. And then today, like all the stars have aligned, and it's just been a really great day of of chatting. Cool. I hope to help launch that further. <laughs> right, you, you don't want better. to be the in the wheel. Right. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so I guess we can jump right in. The your record came out, the self-titled record came out uh, what about a week, a uh, week and a half ago? Maybe a little uh, longer than that. Three yeah, weeks ago. Uh, I would say a few weeks ago, actually, uh, March twenty. Like March twenty fifth. So yeah, a couple three weeks. Fifth was like, yeah, it was like the physical copy, and then on March eleventh was like the pre-release digital copies that went on out. So now that it's cool. done, how's it, it going now? for you? What's yeah. been the reaction? Uh, I mean, the reaction's been unbelievable. I mean, uh, the amount of positive feedback we're getting on it is. Is awesome. I mean, you, you work your. By the way, what's the censorship on this? Because if yep. I say if you work your ass off, am I nope. going to get bleeped? Nope. Say whatever you All want, right. dude. Do you know how many times I say the word "fuck" on this podcast? Perfect. <laughs> I've actually had people. I've actually everywhere. had people send me messages saying, "Wow, that dude drops the f bomb a whole lot." Nice. You got to put a counter up on the screen. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> well that is a great idea actually <laughs> yeah and, and then and then put like the mikey v counter of f-bombs <laughs> that's a great yeah. idea we could do it chris versus mikey counter on this episode just put well, it in the, the right corner we could beat today yeah. <laughs> so anyway how do you feel about it now that it's done and the reception's been pretty well uh i mean the uh, a sense of relief because uh it can be mentally draining, uh, you know, when you're in a studio all hours a day. I mean, you're starting in the morning <laughs> and next thing you know, it's dark. You have no idea or it could be morning again. and You're not sure what day it is. Um, I've seen too many of those days. And, uh, you know, you try not to, you know, burn yourself out. So keeping, you know, the flow, lots of coffee and cigarettes. That's for sure. <laughs> I miss cigarettes. <laughs> Well, good thing you quit. I just had one, and I need to quit. <laughs> it's been like eleven years, but I miss them every fucking day. There's a ding for your counter. Yeah, I I had to switch oh, over to this little. Yeah, he's he's douche fluting. Yeah, I got a. Oh, douche you got a vape here. pen there. Yeah, <laughs> don't judge we, him. We all know that's not tobacco vape there. <laughs> What's that? We all know that's not tobacco vape there. Oh, it is tobacco vape. It it's is, like yeah. bubblegum flavor, some bullshit. Let me yeah. see those eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. No. <laughs> How did you get involved with Carmine a piece? Oh, yeah, that was my question. Uh, that one started on our, our first album. Uh, actually, I, <laughs> the last couple of times we 
talked to Carmine recently with uh, uh, everything going on. You know, the one thing was like, how the fuck did we meet? And I'm like, I'm still trying to figure it out because the way it all came together was so fast. Um, from what I remember, our uh, our last singer who who is uh, not on this album, um, unfortunately, he had to leave due to personal reasons. Um, but he messaged me. He met up with Carmine out in New York and he took a listen to a couple of songs and I get a text saying, hey, this is Carmine's number. Expect a call. And I'm like, OK, you know, great. And I'm watching that metal show and there's Carmine on that metal show. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. Next day. Boom. Right on my phone. Carmine at peace. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and like, don't sound like a jackass. You know, and then you're like, oh. All right, you better pick up the damn phone before it stops ringing, you know? Right, yeah. And pick it up and, hey, dude, I talked to you, singer. I heard a couple of tracks. It's fucking great, man. I'm in. What? You're in? Holy shit. And, and then that's where the whole rabbit hole began um, with that first album. And then when we got our new singer, you know, we were still working out our original album live with him and stuff and still doing shows. And my brother and I and our new singer, William, uh, we knew we needed to go in and do another album at this point. And this was like going into third or fourth month of uh, 2019 before the pandemic stopped everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and I was backstage at a, a friend's concert, um, this big country band, Old Dominion. And uh, my buddies, you know, pretty much went to school with this guy and, and uh, we're backstage hanging out, partying it up. And I'm like, man, I, I got to call Carmine. You know, we're getting near this point where we want to start the pre-production and the writing process of this new album. And I call him and I pretty much missed the whole show. I was on a phone with him for about two hours. That sounds about and, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, hey, man, like, we want to work on a new album. You interested in executive producing again? And he was like, fuck, I'm in. Let's do it. I was like, great you know i call up my twin brother i'm like he's in it's time to rock and uh then we just started writing and recording in a studio i mean we went in with really no material i mean the material ideas that we had my brother and i just threw it right out and we're like we're starting over i think we had uh, a lot of anger leading up anyways to the album so we just started fresh and just whatever comes out of us let's just get it captured and right. uh, that was the beginning process of the album and uh, our first song we began working on was Behind These Eyes, which was the first single release, which is now riding its way on the uh, Billboard charts by some crazy chance. None of us expected uh, it to be doing the, uh, the fire that it's been doing. So it's been a hell of a trip That's the last crazy. few weeks. That's amazing. Did we interviewed Carmine, what, a few months ago? Yeah, maybe a few maybe months, two months ago. ago. The guy was just so nice, and he can talk, man. Yes. I was just like, the stories just kept coming. Oh, my God. And, and, and yeah. it was amazing. Like, Bruce and I were like, holy shit, we're going to miss the next podcast. And we're like, keep it rolling. Let's keep going. He was like on his deck in the Bahamas somewhere just chatting away. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's, that's accurate. And the amount of stories I've how many books i mean there could be a vh1 episode with just him talking about 
probably every band, whether he was on tour with or even a part of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, story after story that you'll never hear in any of the musical history books. No. And um, I mean, my first meeting with him in person, I mean, he sent me through a whirlpool. And he was talking to me about Jeff Beck and Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix. And then I'm just like, hold on a second, man. I need to go outside and take a walk about. And he's like, what the fuck for? (laughs) (laughs) That's process. That's my Carmine impersonation. He'll probably kick my ass for that. But uh, and I just went outside and I called my buddy, you know, who uh, I believe he was working with Anthrax at that time. And, And I'm like, dude, Carmine is tripping me the fuck out with these stories i i'm trying to get it together and my buddy just goes pull up your pants figure it out and get to fucking work man (laughs) and then hangs up and i was like all right that's all right that's accurate like just fucking go in there man and soak it up (laughs) yeah we were we were talking to him and he's like yeah i remember we brought uh led zeppelin to america for the first time and bruce and i were like what (laughs) and then he's like and i got john bonham is his endorsement deal with Ludwig, you know, and he didn't have those before. And, and we're just like, what? Oh, I know. That was one of the stories he hit me with that, like, sent me to the moon. And I was like, holy shit. And he's like, you know why I didn't have two bass drums? Because the guys in Zeppelin would hide the other one. So it forced Bonham to play on one. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm like, that is the craziest shit I've ever heard. You know, and, you know, to, to hear Bonham was influenced and, you know, everyone is aware that Bonham was influenced by Carmine, but he was telling me how much shit he got for it. And, uh, you know, people didn't want to believe him that, you know, Bonham was really inspired by Carmine and didn't know that Carmine had two bass drums and that, you know, Bonham had to figure it out on one. And yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, I'm like, that's why I need to go outside and get some air. You're freaking me the fuck out. So how how is he involved in the process for Chains Over Razors? Uh, I mean, the, the amazing thing about Carmine, I mean, one, he's a great songwriter and the experience he has just being uh, just writing with so many different artists um, that uh, he, he he'll bring his he'll inspire you and bring his knowledge and inspiration to the project. But he won't like force you to like try to do a certain style. He will make suggestions, but he will always let you figure yourself out and what your personality is in the song and of what he is trying to convey um, with what you're trying to achieve in the song. And I mean, we've had a couple of moments where there are multiple rewrites. And then, you know, finally, when we got it right, he was like, that's it right there. Match or beat it from here on out so this whole album we set to match and beat every last song and to treat each song as its own on the album but still at the end of the day be the chapter in the book of that whole album and as it goes you know it just takes you for a ride you know drop the clutch pedal to the metal let's go and uh you know and he might suggest like key changes or he'll be like man he's like that one part right there he's like why didn't you guys do it again you know like well what do you mean bring it back and then you know you'll rework it and uh you know because when you're writing and and, and recording sometimes you can get so lost in what you're doing you can miss things so easily 
And you need that outside ear to like ground you and pull you right back and be like, whoa, 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 slow down for a second. Go back to right there. Start from there again and then let it launch. And so that that was the great part about working with Carmine and, and the knowledge from writing, just soaking that up. And then when you start writing, you always think to yourself, like, what would Carmine do? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a, that's kind of a weird thought to have in the back of your head while you're writing. And it takes a special kind of person to be able to handle that pressure. It was a lot of pressure, you know, and my twin brother's a drummer. And it's like, here, this guy is a legendary drummer. Yeah. And you're thinking, <laughs> and he's like freaking out. And I'm freaking out. Was, you know, like I said, he's with Jeff Beck. And it's like, man, these are unbelievable guitar players. And and uh i mean my brother and i were shitting ourselves of course sure. you know i, and, I can't and, even imagine being a drummer and being like yeah. oh carmine's gonna go over your, your tracks and let you know how how he thinks you did like yeah. i mean it's like fuck <laughs> oh it, it, it completely was like that and then before you know it you, you know you gotta go and take a piss break and get a coffee and you get back in the control room and what do you see see carmine my brother like drumming having a drum off in the live room and i'm like I thought we were supposed to be working on an album <laughs> and you two are like the blue man group right now. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It was, it was great, man. So yeah, I mean, it, it really, it really brings, he lets the artists develop uh, themselves, which is, I think why it was also very spoiling to work with him. Cause it's like, you know, you always hear stories that maybe some producers really have a certain way and then that's it. Right. Um, but to work with somebody that's let's try everything type of uh, attitude and and let you just develop your personality in it. That's rare. Pretty I awesome. think it's something that a lot of younger bands miss out on because mm -hmm. it's so easy to record yourself nowadays. Yeah. That and you can get decent quality and the more you do it, the better you get. And it gets sure. it, at to a point it gets acceptable. But when you don't have that experienced ear overseeing something, mm -hmm. you know, you it's so much harder to grow without yeah. without having someone nurture nurture that talent. Yeah. And I think a lot of younger bands miss out on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it get back it gets right back to that idea of you can miss so much. And we always on, on this album tried to have that old school like Aerosmith attitude like tapes always rolling because you don't know what you're going to capture right. and um, that's really where a lot of things started developing you know and I've had people ask like hey did you you know what were you thinking you came up with this it's like that happened because of a fucking mistake yeah. so we wrote a lot of mistakes out and developed that from there because it was just like wow that's cool as hell let's run with that right. so um yeah, and you know, right. Everyone's also an audio engineer today, so it's you know, I mean, I I'm actually an audio engineer, but I've, you know, I've spent years in studios working under people's wing and and care of the art of audio engineering. So going into this, trying to separate myself as the artist and trying to. Uh, bridge that gap and like okay with carmine there i had to also think of myself as that outside guy too which is hard and you know eventually you you figure out the groove but you still need that outside ear to slap you in the face yeah. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> and wake you back up, you know. And as soon as you think you caught to his groove, he pulls a fast one on you that you didn't expect, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you thought you figured me out on this, huh?" And you're like, "Kind of thought I did." <laughs> you know? Yeah, it totally. It's like, "Fuck, man!" Like he got me on that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, off. This is off topic, but is that a 002R in the background yeah. there? Uh, that is. So, um, when we were in the mixing process, uh, we, <laughs> I had to figure out how to create uh, stems um, oh. for mastering, um, just to have them, because you never know when you might need stems, whether it's for yeah. television or film and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, and I had no way of creating it so i brought out an old rig and figured out a way how to time code two computers together and chase it like tape and and i literally was like creating the stems which took like a month or so to do Jesus. It was, it's a lot of work because i mean you, you want to get like you're just stereo stems but then sometimes you might want to have like kick snare tom group overhead group room group on drums you know, guitar groups, you know, guitar production groups, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. sometimes separate enough that if it needs to go in for a film or something and they want to do a different mix of it for the film, they're not just working on like four tracks as a stem. I've, I've mixed a ton of films in my life. I'm an audio engineer. Oh, okay. I've mixed a ton of films and I hate it when music directors send me stereo tracks. Like, okay. I, I want them involved. I, I want them there because I might be able to use them, but oftentimes I might want to keep the music the same and just duck the vocal, you know, over if the mm -hmm. dialogue's coming in so that the melody's still there and the emotion, the emotive part is still there, but it's not fully there. So. Yeah. Yes. I mean, when you have like 24 drum mics on a kit and it's like, Oh, it's really easy just to spit a stereo stem of drums. It's like great for mastering. If that works. And when I first started doing the stem uh, transfers, I was like, but what if he needs to adjust the kick or a snare, you know, or dress something in the overheads? You just don't know. You, you know, something can reveal its ugly head in the, in the uh, mastering process. Because, I mean, the littlest thing in mastering pops out <laughs> that you, would, you wouldn't notice in uh, mixing. And it's easily to get, your ears numb in the mixing process so i was like screw this i'm doing like kicks snare time groups and whatever and then i even did stereo drums too so i kind of gave every single option that i could think of to a mastering engineer for whatever purpose whether film or just mastering our album uh, that way they have it you know and i'm not having to go back and trying to address something and uh so i actually did digital dumps right to the oh two i'm surprised i even got use out of the thing i mean i haven't used that computer rig in i don't know eight nine years so and uh my new setup i'm running um burl vancouver as yeah my, uh, i'm from vancouver that's where i okay right, dude you know it's like a, a neve council in iraq i get it yeah and, yeah, so now when you're spitting out stems, you're like, okay, well, how do I do this? Because I'm actually now printing back in. Um, so I have to really work around that curve and yeah. make sure that things are lining up. Um, 
when you're working in Pro Tools, if you start disabling tracks, you start changing your latencies. So that was the other um, situation I was dealing with before, where I had to decide, like, I need to, like, chase another computer. And I watched a couple other, you know, I like to go on YouTube and watch some of these other producers and engineers um, talk about how they do their stems. And I came across uh, a couple of guys that were like, yeah, I use an old computer and, and transfer it through there. And I was like, fuck, I still got my old, like, PowerBook Mac G5, you know, that pretty much a giant boat anchor but still works great at yeah. this point and i still have the old pro tools on it and i'm like man I'm, I'm gonna try it and it worked and it actually bailed my ass out of a situation of uh you know trying to rent out studio time and you know in some commercial studio for 130 an hour yeah there's you know? quite a few ways there's quite a few ways to spit stems out when i worked um with peter allen who's quite a big film composer in vancouver he's scored probably like 100 films or more Wow. Um, he would work in digital performer and then we would spit them out to an HDX rig from digital performer. He was using a Motu. What was it? it? I can't remember the interface for digital performer. And then it would spit out to. Pro so, Tools. yeah. So I, I actually use a Motu 16 <clears throat> a, yeah. which, uh, the converters are ESS Saber 32 ultras, which is pretty much what like what Apogee's even using, but a model up yeah. <laughs> from what Apogee and was like, these are great fucking converters, you know? So that's why I started using Mo2 and the versatility of the Mo2 is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And you could just keep adding on and adding on if you wanted to. And it's, <clears throat> and just how self-proprietary it is too. You don't need all these damn drivers, you know, it could work as a standalone mixer if you wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. So, Bruce? so yeah. <laughs> Back to Sorry, I go, I go down the technical rabbit yeah, hole and, and nerd it may not be the best hole. thing for the now podcast. This, this is like bar engineer talk. Now we just need some shots. <laughs> <laughs> so back to chains over raises. Are you planning on taking this out on the road? And if so, uh, what can we expect? Uh, we, we are, we just scored a uh, booking agency. So we're working all those details out right now. Um, and just trying to gather together the markets. Um, when we hit the charts, we're in over 20 markets. So those are a lot of cities to fly past through and, and uh, slap them all in the head with some cool metal. And <laughs> uh, so right now, it's uh, nothing pended yet. It's still just talk. We have very little time, though, to get it figured out. We do have a show on the south side of Chicago coming in June um, at a kick-ass venue that has multiple stages, big place. It's called Bourbon Street, um, and it's the first time they're doing uh, original music in over 30 years. Oh, wow. So we're kind of, uh, yeah, we're kind of like uh, sending that off um, for them again. So no pressure on that. <laughs> and uh <laughs> so that, that's really our focus at the moment while we're waiting to see okay how are we going to execute and what's realistic um for us to be traveling you know uh we talked a lot about work in the midwest and then expanding out um which would be the most ideal you know until uh gas prices could go down a little bit but <laughs> most of the markets 
we're in, we're not too far from. So we can still get to them reasonably without, you know, doing a four day drive somewhere. The touring game is all screwed up now, I imagine, huh? With the economy and with the new COVID precautions and all these things, I imagine it's a whole new way of looking at putting your band out on the road. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to another audio engineer yesterday, and he was telling me a band had to cancel due to COVID. You know, one guy gets it, everything is shutting down again, you know, and they have to cancel the tour. And I mean, I, I hope there's a way it can be figured out. You know, I mean, it's not just the band, but if you have crew, you have their livelihood in your hands. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I mean, um, when COVID hit, think of how many artists who paid the check out to production companies for lighting and audio and never saw that check back. Yeah. That's All it. Answers, sure. You know, and yeah. Even the production and audio companies that went under because people weren't using them anymore. Yeah. And yeah. Live and venues I mean, how many venues went... got shut down too because yeah. of it? Yep. Yeah. And I mean, we saw a lot here in Chicago close on down. It's just like, man, it's like, <laughs> all right well looks like we're going to be playing a lot out of chicago um yeah just uh by default to, right. to reach people and, which is cool but you know and, and it's cool to see other venues open up through the madness of it all but i mean there were a handful of venues just in a city alone where you could walk down the street and jump in and out of a place and now maybe a couple here and there um right so that that's kind of a bummer actual real bummer oh yeah (laughs) well well, let's end this on a positive note because we're up against the clock here um we we do need a bumper from you uh so your name your band and you're listening to the brutally delicious podcast i gotta write it down because my brain power is not that good (laughs) you can't remember your name or you're not gonna write your name down uh no i'm just gonna write down kind of a sketch of a uh how i'm gonna say it because i'm terrible at these things so the podcast is brutal the brutally Um, brutally delicious delicious all right but now sometimes i can't remember my name you're a little figure of yourself on there what's up you got a little stick figure of yourself on this or you remember to drop your name in (laughs) i I do it's actually in the shape of a middle finger (laughs) that was beautiful (laughs) drop the fuck without saying it Add that to the you counter. Like that? That's pretty smooth, huh? Ding. What's our counter at? <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank Perfect. you, my friend. I really appreciate you taking the time. And thanks for keeping the day rocking. Ah, uh, thank you for having me. Keep I had the momentum blast. going. And, uh, you lived up to the uh, the bar. Nice. Well, I hope to be back on and break the f bomb counter. All right, we'll Excellent. do it. You'll we'll, never we'll create be, you'll a never special be episode just for the f bomb counter. <laughs> All right. right. Let's end it on a big fuck. Fuck! <laughs> well, my friend. Cheers. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist, 
Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!